So we'll be in First Peter chapter 1, and I'll be reading verse 17 to the end of the chapter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, from your vain manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, he was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man like the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and its flower falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have required of us to preach your word and not our own. But the living word of God which truly lasts forever, for it is the eternal word. Even Jesus Christ himself is the true manifestation of the very word of God, that he was revealed and came down to earth that he might redeem us unto himself. Father, we do thank you for the blessing of the word of God the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the hope of eternal life through our Savior and Lord. We ask your blessing upon your word this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this afternoon we'll be looking at this passage here, um, verse 17 to the end of the chapter, with the theme, Saved by the Word of God as uh, we find that this passage speaks very well of that very thing, that the Word of God lives and abides forever. And it is by that Word which we are brought into the family of God. It's interesting that uh, Peter brings this out so strongly here. We know that elsewhere in the Bible, there is much said concerning being born again of the Spirit of God. But 
also that the word of God is the instrumentality by which God has revealed himself to us. And so the revelation of the word of God brings also the spirit of God that it might take hold upon our hearts and that it might transform us and make us into those who are truly born from above. Several areas we want to look at uh, this afternoon. First of all, God is not a respecter of persons. Fear God. God is not a respecter of persons. Well, we know if God were a respecter of persons, then he would be partial. But no, God is not partial. He is impartial because he is holy and just in all his ways. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so Peter underscores this by simply saying, fear God. And uh, we're reminded then of how important it is that we keep our reverence toward God. And uh, perhaps today we have seen such a lack of that among many not being taught in school, not being taught in public, the public square as it once was, and not being upheld by those who are supposed to be upholding the very word of God, at least in a moral and traditional way, they should. But they have dropped that from society. And we find that our culture is truly suffering because the fear of God is no longer being emphasized in public by people who are leaders in, in authority, as it once was. Uh, secondly, our re redemption was not by man, but by the blood of Christ. Of course, he's, he mentions it here, saying that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. And... But that redemption, of course, uh, which we received is then a supernatural redemption. It is a work of God by his word and through his spirit that we are brought into the family of God. Thirdly, you are purified by the truth, born again of the incorruptible seed. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. And of course that carries the several last verses there, verses 21 to 25. And each one of those areas are very important to our relationship with God, being purified by the truth, by the word of God itself. Born again, not of a corruptible, but incorruptible seed. And, of course, there is a definite contrast there between the corruptible and the incorruptible. And also saying that this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Realizing that we would not have a gospel if it were not for the word of God and for Christ himself who came and became the incarnate of God revealed to man. Saved by the word of God. Well, let's look at this a little bit more closely here. Let's begin with verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, 
who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Uh, the very first phrase we take perhaps note of is saying, and if ye call on the Father. Well, every believer does call on the Father. And so uh, we realize that he is talking to believers, of course, as this passage clearly indicates uh, right from the very beginning. But it reminds us, doesn't it, that whenever we address God, whenever we find ourselves in a relationship to bring our thoughts and of, of heart and soul unto God, that we should realize that God is truly above the petty kind of things of which man is so capable of. Man often, of course, respects other people. We see it in all the time in politicians and people who are in authority or even school teachers. And I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't respect those who are in public office or, or are serving others. We should respect them. But not as God, do we? No, we, yet we find that there are many in this world who do give more credibility to people than they do to God. And as, as believers, we find that it is our first responsibility to honor God and to realize that God is the one that we are to be serving. We are saved to serve. We are saved to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that causes us to reverence Him. And he goes on to saying that that reverence is because God is without respect of persons and God judgeth according to every man's work. Of course we know that we are not saved by works, but yet we find that our works do follow us. That is in our relationship to God, in our service for Him, in our servanthood, our works follow us. And we even find that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then verse 10, it says in verse 10 that we are ordained unto good works. And so as much as we are saved by grace, we are ordained unto good works. And so we find that this relationship that we have to God is one which is singularly important and that we should not take it too casual at all. And so it is that God is not a respecter of persons, but he judges according to every man's work. And then James says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Well, we find that a sojourner is a, somewhat of a pilgrim, um, a stranger in this world. And um, of course, you I'm sure you've all been acquainted with Pilgrim's Progress and the writing of that allegory. And Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress was sojourning. He was a pilgrim. He was he was 
traveling from the city of destruction and he was looking for the celestial city. And of course, that is what we are doing, isn't it? We are traveling from the city of destruction. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Um, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I don't feel at home here anymore, as the chorus goes. And we realize that, that we, we are, in our travels, we are to sojourn here in the fear of the Lord. And of course, for Christians, perhaps some have even forgotten that. But we find that we are to sojourn here in fear, in the fear of the Lord. In verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, from your vain manner of life, received by the tradition of your fathers. Well, of course we realize that silver and gold won't pay the price for our eternal relationship with God. Um, we do know that there was a redemption price that was paid in the Old Testament, and they even used silver. I guess uh, it was paid into the temple treasury, and it was meant to take... Um, care of the temple and the priests and so forth. Um, perhaps that is what he is referring to here when he says, by the vain traditions of your fathers, as they paid in their redemption money to the treasury. Uh, but we find that we are not saved by silver and gold, but rather we are saved by the blood of Christ. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, from your, your, your vain manner of life, received by the tradition from your fathers. Now, of course, at the beginning of this study, we took particular note that Peter is probably writing to the Jewish dispersion but not entirely so. But these things wouldn't have been lost upon any who were acquainted with the culture of the Jewish people. Obviously, they, their religion was known. There were many who traveled to Jerusalem to worship. There, there were many who were strangers and became acquainted with Judaism and the temple, and knew what sacrifices were all about, and knew what the temple, how it was cared for, and the various kinds of things that went on there, the traditions, if you will, of the fathers. And so we find that these words did not fall upon uneducated ears or ignorant people exactly. And certainly it, they, they were known to the Jewish people. And when it comes to our own lives, 
we also realize that it's not by the tradition of our fathers that we are saved either, or it's not by the mammon of man that we are saved. And sadly to say, many times in our families, though our families have heard the gospel, the word of God, and though we would have many of them in our families know Christ, they continue without Christ. Because no matter how much we do or how much we say or even what kind of money we might have, there is no purchase price for the redemption of our children, but the same that brought us into the family of God, that we are saved by the blood of Christ. To some people it is very offensive to say that we are saved by the blood of Christ. They prefer other means of salvation. And, and so they shy away from this very thing. As he says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Well, see, that was what was required in the Old Testament, wasn't it? They, could, they would bring a lamb, but it had to be without blemish and without spot. One of the recent uh, videos that I was watching on the new segment, The Chosen, has this, this fellow, Hugh, who brings his lamb to the temple. And he carries the lamb uh, has it on a tether, a rope or something. And he brings the lamb to the priest. And the priest looks at the lamb and examines the lamb very closely. <clears throat> and he scolds the fellow who brought it, saying, it is not, it is not without blemish. It has blemishes. And this, this poor fellow, you could tell, according to the video, the portrayal was he brought the very best that he had, but it wasn't good enough. And the priest ridiculed him and mocked him and told him never to return to the temple with that lamb again because it wasn't up to the standard that was necessary, a lamb without blemish. But you see... The sacrifice of Christ was without blemish and without spot. The sacrifice of Christ was for our sins because he was truly the Son of God came down to earth. And being the sinless Son of God, he alone could die for the sins of the world. But I suppose Peter added this comment because everybody knew that they could not possibly bring any, anything to the temple, to the priests, unless it was pure and spotless. But here is one who came to die for our sins, the very Lamb of God, the one who was. And so our redemption was not by man, 
but by the blood of Christ. In verse 20, for verily, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. You know, when it comes to the recognition of who Jesus is, it's kind of like we add up all of these different things that Jesus is stands head and shoulders above everything else. And here is another one that our salvation and Jesus coming and revealing himself to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the fact that he is sinless and spotless as a lamb that would have been brought to the temple. But he is also underscored by this. There was no afterthought with God that he might send his son. It was part of the purpose and plan of God from eternity past that his only begotten son would come into the world and die for the sins of the world and how important it is that we remember we remember these wonderful and eternal truths of Jesus the Lamb of God the one who was ordained from the very beginning from the very foundations of the world that he came to fulfill this purpose, that he might be known as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, Peter says. He was manifest. He was revealed in these latter times, in these last times. Also that phrase, I suppose, reminds us that the phrase last times or end times is often related to the period of time from when Christ appeared till his the end of the church age in these last times. And so even in the first century, Peter was saying and reminding the believers that this is the last times. You know, we, we still, of course, call it the, the last times, even today. As we look to the coming of Christ, we say, Christ is going to come soon. And just in my short lifespan, like yourself, I'm sure you have noticed that there is a, a different tone upon society. And I'm referring to the fact that more and more people are beginning to talk like this. In fact, it seems that some of the things that are being said today are almost like they came right out of the Bible sometimes when you're listening to people. Because it seems like that times have advanced more and more and it seems to be getting much more close to that period of time that the Bible talks about. And it can't be dismissed. We, we just can't offhand say, oh, it's just some extremist saying this. You hear it on news broadcasts. You find it in, written in 
magazines and periodicals and people talk about it to one another. And I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but more and more the subject of the Third World War seems to be coming up. I mean, even for, even for news broadcasting to publicly utter those words, to me, is shocking. Because nobody ever, ever, in, in my hearing, previous to this particular time in which we live, never talked about it like it, was that it, was, it could happen right now. It was only something about, well, it would be a terrible thing if there was another war. But more and more we're hearing things. And I don't know if you've been listening, but <clears throat> Newsmax has been talking about it, and I suppose some of the other news outlets have been talking about it too. That Russia, not, not only Russia, but China has been, um, well, I guess Russia did too. Russia made threats uh, toward England about some possible war-like activity going to happen, perhaps. At least there's some, you might call it saber-rattling. And now China is doing it toward the United States. And that China and, of course, Russia are kind of like buddying up again, being buddies. Now, even this sort of thing, we haven't heard before at least nothing recent, not in our generation anyway. And I, and I find it interesting, you know, that that this idea of, of living in the last times, from even from the very beginning of the first century, in 56 AD, was talked about. And now it, it is not only talked about by Christians, who would normally have these kind of discussions anyway, but non-Christians. The secular world. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, for you, and so he's, he's, yes, he's addressing those that he is writing to, but to us as well, for you, for me. Who by him do believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Well, Peter couldn't cram much more into what he is what he is talking about I mean death burial resurrection um, even from the foundations of the world uh, all of this uh, great doctrinal truths which we sometimes separate into little segments and talk about them uh, at length and Peter compacts a lot of things just in a few statements and it is it would then have to be our understanding that Peter realized 
that the people he was writing to understood what he was saying. You know, sometimes we come to the Bible and we say, oh, what does that mean? And we get all kind of, we grab our commentary and run to the other room and, and hunt, hunt, hunt it up and search it out. And they didn't have another commentary. They only had the letter that was in front of them. And the person who perhaps was writing it to them they knew what was going on and they knew what was being said and it seems as though that the writer knew that they knew. I think sometimes we... I think sometimes we don't quite get it the way we should. And here is... uh, Here is Peter talking about the resurrection. Who by him do believe in God? Well, those who were believing. Those whom he is addressing. As those obedient children, not fashioning yourselves after the former lusts in your ignorance. Verse 14. The whole thing is, is addressed to those who we, he is writing to. Who by him do believe in God? Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God? That your faith and hope. I mean, it's, it's like a well-packed sandwich, isn't it? <laughs> It's got everything in there. And every time we take a, a, a spiritual bite of it, we, we get a lot of meat out of this. And we, when we stop and think about it, there's just so much he is talking about here. Those who believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, those who believe that he was glorified to the Father, those who have faith and hope, in God. Verse 22, seeing that ye have purified your souls in believing the truth. And so, the um, first thing we see here is that they had purified their souls by believing the truth of the Word of God, by obeying the truth. Believe and obey obedience to the word of God now of course we don't do it ourselves do we we know God is the one that does this great work of purifying we have difficulty keeping ourselves washed say nothing about being purified in body soul and spirit but God is able to purify the soul through his word and it is by obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love, that is, sincere love of the brethren. Again, he's just putting so much into these statements, these uh, these comments here. Um, We find that if we might just back through it a little bit, those who love the brethren are those who also have obeyed the truth, those who have also been born again of the Spirit of God, those who have been purified. 
But because we do believe the truth, we are purified. Because the Spirit of God has brought us into the family of God, we love the brethren. And those who do not love the brethren, it is said, do not know God. It is a sincere love, he says, unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart reverently. We'll see that goes back to the works aspect, doesn't it? Being ordained into good works. It is part of our responsibility to love one another, to love the brethren, because we do know the truth. And the Spirit of God has done this marvelous work in us because of Christ himself, who, was, who not only died for our sins, but was raised again and is now glorified with God the Father. That we might have a faith and hope. And so he brings up this new birth all over again in verse 23, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible by the word of God. Being born again, well we might refer back to John chapter 3, wouldn't we? Where Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus being a little bit puzzled by the whole thing, saying, how can I enter again into my mother's womb and be born again? Be born. Well, obviously, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. And so the, the corruptible seed of man, of course, is that we have a, a short lifespan. And it isn't an eternal. Our, the, the seed of man is only temporary. It's temporal. It's not eternal. Only the work of God makes us, in any sense, eternal. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And of course that word, that word of God, the seed of the word of God, is that which takes root in the heart because of the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves, how is that seed doing? Is it growing? Is it maturing? Is it coming to some maturity in you, in me? And so as God has planted that seed in us, he wants us to be fruitful. Uh, John chapter 15 wants us to be fruitful. Yeah, the vine, Christ is the vine, we're the branches. He wants us to be fruitful. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so this eternal word of God is that which lives and abides in the believer and is eternal. But the temporary seed of man fails. And so we find that, uh, that's what he says next here in verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all the glory of man like the flower of grass. 
The grass withereth and the flower falleth away. Well, this comes out of Isaiah. And you may have a reference there where it comes out of, that it comes out of Isaiah. And so we see these, um, these apostles, they, they knew their Old Testament. <laughs> they, they knew what the Old Testament had to say. The Old Testament prophet. And so he quotes this out of Isaiah. And he says, we're like, we're like the grass. We grow up and then the glory of man begins to fade and the flower corrupts and we fall away. And, and that's what's happening to us all, isn't it? We're all, we're all like the grass, growing up and, and gradually the beauty of the flower fades and it withers and then it falls. From the minute we are born, we begin to die. Well, you see, that isn't a difficult thing for us to understand or even to accept as believers. Because if we really understand what it means to be a believer, then we understand that we are born again by the Spirit of God through His Word. And we are being equipped. We're being equipped for that transition from this life to the next. We're being equipped And so, all for all flesh, he says, we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth ever. For all flesh is like grass, and the glory of man like the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower falleth away. And then he says, but the word of God, the word of the Lord, endureth forever. Now this word, this word which is also the seed, a seed, it is, it is the word of God and it, and it is, abides forever. Man's seed only abides a little while, but this seed abides forever. And it has been planted in you, if you know Christ. It's been planted in you. And that word will abide forever. Therefore, you have been brought into that new life, that new creature which is in Christ Jesus. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. And so the wonderful truth is that we have a message that has an incorruptible seed. We have a message that can purify people. We have a message that is full of truth and faith and hope. We have a message that delivers salvation to the hearts of those who believe. We are saved by the word of God. And God wants to work in us and through us to accomplish his purposes.
And so Peter delivers a very wonderful message to the hearts of those sojourners, to the hearts of those pilgrims, those travelers, those who were waiting that the last times in which they were living in would deliver them unto Jesus, unto their hope, their salvation. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us this afternoon. Thank you that you bless us with it and you encourage us with it. You edify us in it and you remind us of it that we might be encouraged much as we sojourn here. For truly this world is not our home and that we are just passing through it. And we know, Lord, that you have something for us to do while we are here. We are to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.